Let's face it, Brit happens. Success is rarely a straight line. It's a journey with many twists, turns, potholes, and unwelcome detours. The secret, however, lies in how we react. Keep listening to learn how to effectively respond to life's curveballs, improve your resilience, and how winners pivot from setbacks to success. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. Let's get started. I am super excited to welcome our next guest, the city manager of North Miami, the sixth largest city in Miami-Dade County, Teresa Thurilis. Welcome, Teresa. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Brittany. I'm so excited to be here speaking with you today. Thank you, thank you. Teresa has a BA in economics and legal studies from UM and a law degree from Harvard University. How did you get back into government? A range of experience. I started out actually in private practice when I left um, law school. I came back to Miami, worked at a law firm, and then I kind of fell into the sports. Um, I had a client that was looking for actually a marketing agreement, and I kind of fell into that. And I've always loved football, um, went to the U, and it just kind of worked out that I ended up um, being an NFL agent. Um, when I ended that, it was actually more of like a personal decision to be closer and not travel as much and be home. Okay. And I had a former uh, former boss that I worked with that said, hey, we need your experience at the attorney general's office. And so I applied for a position at the attorney general's office in the economic crimes division. And that kind of started my work into government. So when I worked in the government, it was really from a lawyer background and I was trying cases and then I had the opportunity to go to Miami-Dade County um, as a legal advisor and work for the former mayor, Jimenez. And from there, I, I just stayed. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be there. I stayed. I got into administration and I started working for Miami-Dade County as an administrator. I was one of the youngest administrators uh, there um, ever in their history. A couple of years ago, I was asked to come to California and work in procurement for the County of Santa Clara in Silicon Valley. And while I was there, I got the call to come back to Miami and be the city manager for North Miami. So here I am. And speaking of history, I would be remiss if I did not mention, Teresa is the first Haitian American and first woman in this position. So that in itself, we can't let that slide. That's pretty cool. Thank you. I'm very excited. Um, one of the things that really pushed me towards North Miami was that they had a strong Haitian population. And it was just really nice to come back to Miami and to be able to serve that community specifically. Now, Teresa, you came in at a very interesting time. Obviously, we are navigating still through a pandemic. I believe you were brought on board through a virtual commission meeting, right? I was, yes. I was in California when I accepted the position. Okay. <laughs> You're happy, obviously, to be in a, high, a heavily Haitian population municipality. But what else attracted you to this position and how was the transition in the midst of a pandemic? Oh, I think the challenge of the city did attract me to it as well. Mm -hmm. um, we, I came in and there's a, a, to a huge budget deficit. So it's always a problem. So I think solving problems excites me. And so I knew that when I was coming to the city, okay, this was not going to be easy. I can't underscore though, the difference between coming and coming to solve a problem while you're in the middle of an emergency and a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And this was tough. I had a lot of experience from K 
California in the first three months because in my role, I was also responsible for three of the hospital um, supply chain. So when the pandemic hit, it was a 90-hour week. It was crazy. Um, But it also let me learn about a lot of the different intricacies about the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so it helped me to come to the city of North Miami from the perspective of serving our community, actually knowing what the hospital needs and knowing what we need to do to prepare for the emergency. But to come to a new place Mm -hmm. and not see anyone, um, have two people, you know, literally in your office that you see every day, everyone else is at home. (laughs) meeting all of my directors virtually. And to this day, I still haven't met all of them. So it's very tough to do that. And just to be in a constant emergency mode. Mm -hmm. So I, that really added to uh, my issue. And then of course, with our budget and the fact that we have a 13% unemployment in the city, um, that was difficult as well. So this is probably one of my toughest tasks. I think it's going to be my funnest job, but my most difficult job. All right. It looks like you eat challenges for breakfast. So you're, you're, you're groomed for this. <laughs> so you kind of segue into my next question, partially answered it. Two to three largest challenges at hand and navigating through a deficit, which I believe will probably perpetuate itself because there's decreased revenues or in the midst of a pandemic. However, it seems like the development is still robust in your city. You have a huge project, Solomia, which is wildly popular. Can you give us a little background on that and where where you guys are? One of the things that makes North Miami unique is is that this city is kind of on the cusp of being like the next big thing and we can do that. So while we are still going through the issues that we're facing with our budget, with the deficit, and, and to be honest, development kind of went to a halt for a bit, but it's picking back up. Um, Solomia is absolutely gorgeous. It is a gorgeous development. Um, I'm lucky because I get to see every day the beautiful (laughs) lagoon. And so it's been wonderful to be here. Um, They are getting ready as we speak to build up another building that's going to go up with residential. I've been speaking to them about different projects that they're going to continue to do. So this is going to continue to grow and it's going to be massive here for uh, the city. The other thing that I'm excited about is the train stops. Um, We've been, you know, the county has talked about the train stop at 151. We're very excited. It's right here. It's right next to FIU. And since I've come in, I've tried to revive the 123rd Street stop, which I think is going to be vital for the downtown that we're working on. Mm -hmm. So even though we have a lot of challenges, there's really no other city that's positioned like North Miami to grow. And so when you see what's happened in the areas like Wynwood and you see what's happening uh, downtown in Overtown, I think we can do that. We can actually grow threefold from those because we have so many gems in the city, including our wonderful Mocha Museum. Wait, Mocha is shut down now because of the pandemic. But it's well, still- we are, we've been closed, but okay. we are doing phenomenal, okay. phenomenal exhibitions online. And so I would invite you to join some of those. Um, We have a very robust board and they've done a lot to do a lot of projects, meetings. Uh, We recently got another grant for our exhibitions. And so we've had a lot of um, work that's happening at MOCA, even through the pandemic. You went to UM and you were like, okay, I want to go to Boston, um, Harvard. You came back here. Did you ever think that you would see yourself as the CEO of the city? 
No, I didn't. I didn't imagine it. Um, you know, it's interesting. You grow up in Miami, and I loved it, mm-hmm. um, but I never thought about where my you know my path would go. And one of the things that I've been able to do is kind of go in different paths. And a lot of times the expectation is like you do a niche and you stay there. And my niche is doing whatever I'm doing with excellence, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever it is, whatever's my next challenge is there. It's great to be at this place in Miami, right. but growing up in Miami, you don't think about this. One of my concerns about the young and the youth that grow up in Miami is not really knowing what possibilities are out there. One of my main struggles that I think I faced and everyone else faced was knowledge and information, mm-hmm. right? Knowing that opportunities were there. And I think there's so many youth and native Miamians that would take advantage of opportunities if they knew they existed. Right. I can tell you that when I started University of Miami, I did not think I could go to Harvard Law School. And it wasn't until I was there that I realized that that was an opportunity. I could apply for one of the top law schools in the country. Right. And I didn't think that was a possibility when I started there. And just to tell you, University of Miami was the only school I applied to coming out of school. Really? I didn't apply to any other schools. I applied early decision. I knew of UM. We knew of the team. Uh-huh. You know, that was the biggest thing. But I didn't know about other opportunities. There's so many opportunities. The Ivy Leagues, as far as I'm concerned, are waiting for us. The top schools are waiting for us. And even the HBCUs, I had no idea being the child of Haitian immigrants, knowing that the HBCUs are available and are wonderful and that we should be looking towards those as well. But wait, where did you go to high school? So I went to high school. I graduated from Miami Sunset Senior High. Oh, okay. okay. Down in Kendall. Also, <laughs> you're like a South person. I'm very South person. It's interesting because I have gone to numerous schools. Uh, I started out at St. Lawrence Elementary School, which is actually in North Miami Beach, St. Lawrence Catholic School. Then we moved to Westchester or how the, you know, the Cuban way of saying is Westchester. (laughs) And I went to St. Timothy, Napa Creek Elementary. And then we kind of moved a little bit uh, more West. So I'm a product of Miami Sunset Senior High. And I was a Killian Cougar for my freshman year. <laughs> Let me see. I went to CML from first through fifth, sixth grade through 10th Carrollton. And then I graduated from Mass Academy. But hey, we turned out, I feel like we turned out pretty good. I feel like I turned out really good. I think it made me very adaptable. <laughs> right. Because I went to all different types of schools, you know, from the South all the way into the North. My dad actually lived in Miami Gardens for most okay. of my time growing up. So I spent my weekdays, many of my weekdays in the Kendall area in the South. And then I spent a lot of my weekends in the North area, specifically visiting North Miami very much because I had relatives that lived here. So I'm an all around Miami. You are a well-rounded Miami girl. Big issue, which it seems like your administration has done an excellent job at tackling, is the crime in North Miami. And I'm sure that's still something ongoing, but I've noticed a decrease. Can you talk a little bit about how you've attacked that challenge, especially in light of this new development and trying to attract more residents and investment opportunities? So what I'll say is crime as of uh, this week was down 29% at the same that it's been last week. It is the lowest that it's been in since 1972, wow. okay. 1970s. It's still a great police department. Um, we have a great chief. We have uh, Chief Larry Jeriga. Um, he's been great. He's been part of the department for many, many years. One of the things that I think are very effective 
is that we do a lot of programs with the city. So many of, we do neighborhood policing. And so many of our residents know our police. They know what's there. And we also do ahead and look ahead for crime. So we do crime suppression. So our crime suppression group and our neighborhood policing, to me, is really a combination of great success. As you know, there's been a lot of conversation, especially around what's happened across the country. Mm -hmm. And everyone has talked about, you know, police departments and the issues. And one of the things that I think is whatever you're going to do with your police department, make sure they're part of the, the, the neighborhood. Right. Make sure that people know them. Make sure that they care about the community. And I think we have that in our police department. And make sure that we're out there. I mean, we have neighborhood bike rides. We have events. We did a Halloween treats. We gave out toys. We gave out food. We have food drives from our police department. So so many people know that. And mm -hmm. we're out here looking every day to kind of see what's going to be an issue. And it's really tackled up front. But I can't say that I've done it by myself. I have to say I am so proud and amazed by the North Miami Police Department. And we've come a long way in the, in the, in the last couple of years and in the last few months, in the last seven months since I've been here, crime has been at its lowest. That's impressive, a 29% decrease. And like you said, it's, it's about citizens or residents feeling like it's a partnership as opposed to a dictatorship. And I think yes. that's applicable across the country. So it's been less than a year. So maybe this question, we would have to have like a follow-up. What would you be most proud of thus far? Most proud of thus far is putting in a responsible budget this year. Um, it was responsible. It was tough. I had to make some tough decisions in terms of cuts and positions. And we're continuing to look at that. But I think overall, this is kind of one of the first times we started to really look at our budget and say, where's our spending going and do we need this and what's there? And it, it took a lot to do that and we did it. So I'm very excited about that, being able to put in a responsible budget and I'm going to continue to do that and okay. work through that. And I was also able to save a lot of jobs. Well, I had a lot of jobs cut. We really kept that too, as much of a minimum as we could. So, Teresa, obviously someone as talented and experienced as you is probably not going to stay in one position for the rest of your life. And you are still very young. So when you decide, hey, I've made my impact, what would you like your legacy to be when they say city manager Teresa in the history books? In the history books, I'd like to make sure that I was able to get this 123rd Street train station. Okay. I want to say that I turned around the city in terms of fiscal and financially stable. And I'd like to see that this city is a city to be reckoned with and that everyone across understands that we have so many gems, that we have so many possibilities, and that we have one of the most diverse communities in North Miami. And people want to come here and live here. I also want to see some companies headquartered here in North Miami. That's it. Challenges for breakfast. Okay. Um, that's what I would be um, most proud of. All I right. want to see a difference in this community. It seems like economic development is big. I mean, that's big for me, but what you've just mentioned, like, I got excited about. It is the heart of any community as its economic development. When you ignore it, uh, you'll see what happens when you don't ignore it, you're there. And I think it's also what's going to be really important and that's going to make a difference is economic development and viability, but in keeping to what the heart of our community is, right? Because when right. you find a lot of cities, it's like, yes, I built it out and you pushed out. 
But right. I think you can find economic development and make sure that the benefactors of economic development are the communities that are staples here in North Miami. Exactly. I always say that I think that the corporations or the businesses that should be reflective of the community they serve. Obviously, not every single company can service everything, but that should be the main focus, your economic base. So we're on the same page there. It's much easier said than done, I know, but you clearly have a strategic plan in place. And I'm excited to see what is in store under your administration. We have a few things. I mean, even with the pandemic currently, we were able to get $1.1 million in aid from the county to give out to the community. So we gave out small business grants. We gave out um, food gift cards. We worked out with legacy uh, business grants. So we helped small businesses continue. We've continued with rent assistance. We've continued with mortgage assistance. And so one of the things is just working with our community to make sure that it continues to strive. And I'm curious on the development side, how would you envision ideally spurring, giving smaller or firms that may look like you and I opportunities to, to play in that space? So, I mean, there's always a policy and there's one thing that I always say, and, and, and for my counsel, it's three votes beats a good argument any day, right? So no matter what you want to do, you can have the best idea, but if you right. don't have three votes, you can't get it um, passed. And one of the challenges that I think we're going to be facing with North Miami is what kind of development we're bringing in and what kind of developers are we bringing in. So there's twofold. We do need development in this community from developers that have shown and have exhibited and demonstrated their ability to do work. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that stops you from having a group come in that looks like you and I and having them be part of that group. And I right. always point to kind of what they did at the port when they brought in so many people of color to work on those projects. And I think we need to focus on doing that. We have a hand in being able to do that with a commission that is a majority minority, right? Majority minority council. So okay. we can get something done. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think we've got to work better on, and this is around all of the communities and having worked at the county, what I found is that we have a capacity building issue. We have not focused as a community on building capacity to do these projects at the right. way that it needs to be. And when you look at it, you know, communities will come and require you to have a bond to do that. And if you don't have the credit, if you haven't done all of these projects before, you can't get the bonds for the projects that are going to be meaningful. And so communities need work together to create capacity building. And when we we get through this pandemic, that to me is really a focus. And for me, that's where uh, things like our CRA needs to come in, right, to help build capacity for Mm -hmm. these developers that are minority developers to have capacity to come in and do the projects that we need to do. My prior meeting, we were talking about OSIP because I feel like with any of these capital programs, firms are capable of doing the work, but they don't have the liquidity and upfront cash, which, you know, blocks you out of the market. So the larger boys are happy about that. Yeah, it is there. And, and you know, it's that it's that quietness in the room because you go in the room and someone says, but I don't know a minority firm that can do this. Right. And in the end, they know that a minority firm can't do it, not because they don't have the ability to do it, but because they don't have the capacity. And what's interesting is we're seeing the same issue with tech companies. Right. Mm-hmm. We're seeing venture capital funds that are not going after minorities. And one of the things they don't have minorities in venture capitalists. I had a very fruitful discussion yesterday with a good friend of mine who's probably one of 
two minority women that I know that's working within a fund. Mm -hmm. And the question that we have to say is, where's everyone else? And if they're not the CEO of a fund, they're not going to be able to fund these companies. And so if you want to see minorities in there, we do have to figure out what are we going to do to help fund them? One of the things that I think is important that we have fell off of doing where we are supporting the minority banks. As we've gone on, the banks have merged and they've become huge. But what other way could you support a business that needs that money with that capital, but a bank that is focused in that community and who's one of their missions and their visions is to support the growth of the community? We don't have that in North Miami. I'd love to see it. This is a call to anyone. Oh, I love it. The conversation needs to change. I always say when I do have children, or even my nieces and nephews, I hope when they're speaking and when they're our age, it's just, oh yeah, that bank. But there's so little that we're kind of like, oh yeah, that's the name of the bank. And the question is, where are we in banking and finance? Because we do know and what we've learned that no matter whether we like it or not, money matters. And we don't like to say it, right? Because we say good deeds and smiles and, and kindness and it matters. But you can have impact by out being out there doing the work. And I think our community is really good at that. We're out there, we're doing the work, we're with our people. The question is who has the ability to fund it? And when right. will we be at the place that we can fund our own abilities, our own projects? Or my call is it, who doesn't look like us that is willing to say, I'm going to do it. Exactly. There's been more attention and inclusion and diversity, and I hate to put the air quotes, but they seem to be buzzwords. But for me, I mean, whether people like it or not, we live in a capitalistic society. And again, economics drive everything. So if you're going to say you're going to do something, don't just bring on an admin that happens to be of color. This next segment is called my fire round. So I'm just going to like toss out a question and then you spit out the first answer that comes to mind. All right. right. (laughs) Okay. If you can have any superpower, what would it be? Invincibility. Okay. That's my superpower. And the reason why I say that is because whatever touches me, hits me, knocks me down, comes back. And in life, I find out that any setback usually sets you back more than you think it will. And so if I can have invincibility with every risk that I do and I'm invincible, then I would take that superpower. Which brings me to another question is kind of piggybacking. If you knew that you had a 100% chance of succeeding, what would you attempt to do? I almost don't want to say it. I don't know if you're like the manifest, because Teresa is a, is a private, is a very private person, but you can put it out in the universe. You know, there's like two sides, either put it in the universe or keep it to yourself until it happens. I'm kind of in the middle. I'd be the governor of the state of Florida. Oh my, that's an exclusive. I like it. More I'm history. Ready, I'm ready for Florida to uh, come to us. <laughs> we get our act together. You were like, oh my, see, I have to give I you love like the that. state of Florida. You know, when I went to Massachusetts, uh-huh. I think there's a kind of an underrating of Florida, right? They think beaches and fun. And I think we are, we look great. I think we have a lot of fun, but I think there's so many wonderful things that we can do with the state of Florida. So if I had a 100% of succeeding, I would do that. And the first thing I would be pushing is our economic development across all of the places in Florida that are missing it. So that would be my first thing. What's the last thing that you ordered on Amazon? Wow, that's really tough. (laughs) I would have to go 
into my Amazon to do that. Um, but I actually remember okay. the last one I just bought were frames. I am getting ready to go to Sanibel Island for the weekend. I bought a frame for the gift that I'm going to give them. Oh. It was my oh. last on Amazon that we will be gifting them. Luckily, obviously, this won't be out before. It's no, it's no spoilers. So. Yes, that was the last thing I bought on Amazon. But let me just tell you, I have an Amazon issue. I have purchased so many things on Amazon. That's what I'm saying. That's why I see I don't feel as bad because I have shares on Amazon. So I tell myself every time I'm like priming. It's like so many boxes come, Teresa, that I'm like, I forgot what I ordered. That sounds so. And that's what I need. I don't see that. Now, th- now the problem is I don't have shares in Amazon. And you know what? I'm happy I'm contributing to your economic vibe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I purchase on Amazon. I'll do that. But one of the things that I have done on Amazon, because now you can support a not-for-profit. So yeah. sometimes I go onto Amazon through their uh, link for supporting. Isn't this the smile thing, right? Is it called yes, smile? smile.amazon.com? Smile. Right. <laughs> At first, I thought that that was sponsored by a toothpaste until I realized, okay, that's just, yeah. So, and lastly, Teresa, when people see or hear this and they're like, she sounds amazing, I would love to learn more about her, get in contact with you. How can they reach you? Um, I can be reached if it's about the city. I can be reached at ttherillis at northmiamiflorida.gov or city manager at northmiamiflorida.gov. Um, and that's northmiamifl.gov. I am happy to speak, especially to those um, who are younger and really um, trying to you know, look at other opportunities and goals. My email is tgtmiami at aol.com. Probably one of the few people with still an AOL account. <laughs> I will tell you the user interface, the user interface okay. is better than any user interface out there on AOL.com. You know, when you go on to Gmail or Yahoo yeah. and you're trying to find or you have to change the conversation, it doesn't happen on AOL. You can see everything clearly. You don't miss your emails. They don't try to put your conversations together. It's a simple user interface. So that's why I still use it. AOL, you got to give her an endorsement deal because I haven't logged on since, remember I am or AIM or whatever it was called? A, no, A, listen, AOL Instant Messenger? That was the thing. That was, that was life. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Brit Happens. If you like what you heard, Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google. You can also find me online at www.brithappens.com and on social media, Instagram or Facebook at Brittany Sharpton. See you next time.